0: Stephen Forrester, Gyrodata, three, two, one.
1: Thank you for joining the program here today, boy. Gyrodata. I kind of joked on the website, uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and so let's just say social media instead of listing all the different parts that uh, Gyrodata and it doesn't involve pita bread. Well, it could, I suppose, if you eat it while you watch the data unfold, but. Uh, I wanted to start off by talking about what gyro data is right out of the gate, because I'm not sure a lot of people know what it is. And uh, Stephen Forrester, thank you for joining today. And uh, sorry to put you on the spot out of the gate like that, but I'd like to get to the meat of it right away. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. No, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for having me on uh, this morning. And yeah, gyro data or uh, yeah, the, the uh, unfortunate uh, euro data, as, as some folks uh, might, might say, which You'd be surprised. People uh, people ask about euros and make that make those comments uh, more than <laughs> more than you might think.
1: Well, it makes uh, us sound cultural, you know. It makes us exactly. sound like like we're educated and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, multicultural, <laughs> hey, you know. But no, uh,
0: yeah. Driver Data. i uh, been around for we're celebrating you know 40 years uh, actually this this year. So we've had a you know a, a long history of working in the oil field. Um, the, the primary service offering or technology offering company has is a, is a gyro serving instrument for well placement purposes. Uh, so this is a, a relatively niche application uh, for for oil and gas, also for mining and some engineering stuff. But you know the bread and butter. But we do is oil and gas, and really what it is is when when companies are drilling wells and uh, trying to get to you know, from point A to point B, from from uh, starting the starting the well and getting to t- to total depth and uh, hitting that spot in the reservoir to produce, or you know, to frack the well or whatever, uh, they need to make sure that it is where they think it is. They need to place it accurately uh, within the reservoir, within the production area, so that they get more out of it and hence a you know better financial return. Uh, and, and they need to kind of eliminate the risk of, of certain uh, downhole you know, challenges with um, wellbore, uh, you know, wellbore intercepts, for example, or where, where uh, you know, wellbores might collide because they're too close together. So with pad drilling and uh, these very tightly spaced wells nowadays, uh, especially with North American land, you know, you'll see a lot of that. And so how do we make sure that you can put these wells as close together as possible get the most production out of them uh, while without you know leaching off one another or having any of those HSE uh, risks around that so that's kind of the big it's kind of the big picture of, of why you would why you'd want this what the purpose is and you know we, we think that uh, you know potentially every well should, should have a gyro as a surveying solution just because of the accuracy of the system versus some of the other, uh, you know, more traditional options.
1: I want to make sure I'm following you correctly here that uh, gyro data, you're talking about the well specifically, or are you talking about the well and then also shale plays? And for example, the Bakken, uh, has done a very good job of uh, keeping all the core samples since like the 1950s. And so for a lot of uh, IT companies and research firms and chemists and everything, they, they love that because it turned uh, the wildcatting into precision. So now because yeah. they have the the data from all the shale play, they know, okay, well, when pricing of XYZ hits this and then, our commodities prices reach this. Boy, we can drill at $40, $50, $30, $60. So they've got the formulas down to do that. But that's a lot of it is because of the, the foresight the state of North Dakota had with the Laird Library. It's, it's called um, the, the gentleman who came up with the concept. Uh, his last name was Laird. And so it's up at the University of North Dakota. They have a library named after them of all the core samples and things like that. But essentially what it was is anybody who drilled had to keep a core sample on the state. And, you know, Montana figured it out a couple decades later, but they were behind and that sort of thing. Is that what we're talking about? Or are we talking about the individual wells? I just put half the people to sleep. So sorry about that.
0: (laughs) No, you're fine. I mean, so it really depends. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're talking about. We're talking about any given well in the sense of you know a, a gyro, whatever type of system you you chose, whether it was uh, you know something w- which is a GWD or gyro while drilling. so that's you know that's a piece of technology that you could put in the, the bottom hole assembly that will take those you know, positional or trajectory measurements while while you're drilling, right So it's basically fulfilling the same purpose as a, as a traditional MWD, tool uh but it's it's not affected by things like magnetic north um gotcha you know but by, by by the by you might have you know something with the earth uh in, in the actual well bore, or even if there's any kind of debris or you know the casing itself all sorts of stuff so you don't have to worry about any of those errors because uh you know gyro is 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 it is a true north uh you know true north seeking device that's actually based on the earth's uh, rotational axes and not, not on a magnetic measurement that you need to correct. You know, it's kind of been the thing is uh, historically with MWD measurements. A lot of times, if you are going through those areas where there's uh, magnetics, you know, then you'll have to do all these corrections yeah. afterwards to make sure that it's back to where it's supposed to be. And this is kind of,
1: you know, wait what we're a minute seeing. now back to train up here. So you guys actually can detect if there's mag like magnetic energy in certain parts of the earth and things like that and be able to correct and et cetera. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, the, the thing, I mean, we're not, how would I say it? So basically, I mean, you know, when, when we're going to, to a well, I mean the operator will typically kind of expect, uh, they'll expect areas of magnetic interference, maybe in a certain section or maybe for, you know, so many hundreds or a thousand of feet or whatever, there's, there's kind of, this has been accounted for in some of the well planning and things like that and so you know through those sections
1: that's incredible if i didn't you're trying to i didn't realize for those, that sorry to interrupt yeah. i just didn't realize that because there are pockets of magnetism throughout the earth i mean there's a power grids based on that and theories of tesla of the nikit Nik- nikola tesla not the Elon Musk one, the the original one, the the original one, not even the band. I'm still on the band, five man acoustical (laughs) jam, man. That's, that's my music. Uh, But okay. So I, I didn't realize that that's awesome. See, to me, this is another example of why the oil and gas industry is truly awesome. And when I say awesome, I mean, in the Webster's dictionary sense, because if, if there's ways that you guys can figure out how to even detect and negotiate Magnetism, because let's be honest, the oil and gas industry has a lot of magne- ma- magnetics involved. I mean, when you're talking about yeah. those those drill bits, and even down to the microscopic levels. Like, I've I've gone to trade shows, and I've seen these. Uh, oh, it's it's like you know, like a, a sleeve you put around a, a pipe, right? It's like like a you know you know what I'm talking about like an in like a can koozie, okay, like a can koozie type thing. They'll have things like that that you put around a pipe, but it's specifically to pull the magnetic particles into, you know, uh, uh, up up against the end so they're easier to flush out and things like that. So I can see where if you all of a sudden, you know, you're in, I don't know, Malaysia, whatever, I'll just name some country, and you run into an area where there's a pretty good pocket of magnetism, man, that could really mess you up if you didn't know what you were dealing with. Holy crap. Sorry, I just I'm I'm processing uh, this right now. So there you go. The baton is off to you, my good sir.
0: No, you're totally right. I mean, we're uh, you know we'll we'll see a lot of instances of where uh, you know there'll be these areas of of you know highly magnetic uh, you know high magnetic interference and that that'll that'll cause a lot of problem with survey quality if you don't have you know a, a gyro tool uh, in, in your bottom hole assembly. And uh, we've seen examples of that where, you know, a lot of times what will happen is, I mean, cause really, if you think about gyros, there's, there's kind of two, I guess there's kind of two, you know, paths that, that, a, that an operator might follow. One would be, you know, a post drill, you, you, you already drilled the well. And now you want to know, uh, you know, you want to know where it is, what the well bore quality was like, things like that. Right. So you didn't, you didn't run that while drilling, it was uh, it was done after the fact, maybe on wireline or E line or whatever. Um, then the other one is, like I mentioned, is you know GWD or gyro well drilling, where you're actually taking those measurements while drilling, you know, during the drilling of the well to make sure uh, that you're kind of staying on track. That's more for uh, for directional drilling purposes, for gyro steering and uh, getting it where it needs to be. If uh, you know, if very precise wellbore uh you know or reservoir placement is is a concern which it usually should be uh but yeah we've had instances where you know we'll compare um a gyro survey versus an mwd survey and you know operator i mean they're seeing after the fact that their well was nowhere near where they thought it was uh and and that that's kind of the, the kicker that's the that's the interesting thing is you know they, you'll drill a well, and then maybe the production's bad, right? Or, uh, you know, it, it's it's not doing what it needs to do. Or you encountered issues with, you know, placing other equipment or additional downhole challenges. And then they'll do this gyro survey, and you'll find out, oh, well, no wonder it's not producing. It's like 400 feet up, you know, to the left of where it's supposed to be. Uh, and that, that that whole idea of reservoir placement and really needing to pinpoint where you're going to drill and where you're going to place the well and uh, you know to get to get production and ultimately for you know the, the company's financial success that's a big deal and uh, and some of them are very small you know sometimes it's 20 30 feet away uh, which might not make a huge difference and sometimes it's hundreds of feet in a few kind of special instances it's actually been, Uh, more than a thousand feet which is pretty crazy uh so it it, it's it's really interesting that uh you know especially kind of in the past and historically that you know the 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 drilling team and drilling engineers and whatnot you know you drill this well and you think it's you think it's where it is uh based on your you know your 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 well planning and your seismic and you know, all the stuff that goes into it, you think it's where it's supposed to be, and it's actually it's actually uh, you know 500 feet over the other way. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool stuff and that that's why we just think that rather than you know, running and running a, 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 an older tool and then having to do this and having to correct the well, right. So now it's not where you think it is. Maybe you have to sidetrack, maybe you have to drill something else if you, you have to put a whipstock in or something and go a different direction. Um, you know, rather than doing that, Hey, just, just do it right. The first time around, just, you know, just run the gyro survey, do gwd That's our big thing. And, uh, we've, we've seen an enormous uptick of that even, uh, kind of, you know, late last year, early this year, which has been, which has been great. Um, despite the kind of market conditions and, you know, the the volatility with commodity pricing and all that stuff. Uh, it's been nice to see an uptick in that and interest in that because, People are people are seeing the value and kind of some of our newer technologies where we've really really taken it to the next level and you know, our solid state GWD which is kind of our you know our our latest and greatest shiny new thing uh, that's that that's seen some tremendous uh, tremendous growth in the market and, and we're really the only one that has something like that uh, so it's yeah it's a good time.
1: Are you versed or schooled or? Have an opinion, I guess. How knowledgeable are you when it comes to big data? Big data.
0: Um, I mean, so- somewhat, I suppose. With, I, you know, I, I, I probably have an an opinion, sure.
1: Okay, uh, well, that's that's enough for what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> well, because really, l- lately I've been, you know, I've on the speaking circuit, and you know at different things where, where it comes up in conversations at the different social functions and the networking things. I find myself reminding the folk out there, the industry folk, that um, you know, 10 years ago, the CEOs, the, the Harold Hams and the James Volkers from Whiting and John Gibson from One Oak, who have since retired or have taken lesser roles in the company – they were talking about the paradigm shift, how oil and gas is going through a paradigm shift. Now, I, I dropped those names because those are the types of people that aren't going to just be spouting out exaggerations because they've got shareholders and attorneys and, and employees. I mean, there's, there's people that can sue them and there are certain markets that get impacted by things they say. So, they don't, they, they're not big into exaggerations and they're not very active on social media, if you get my drift. <laughs> yeah. So when, when they started saying that, you know, I paid attention because I come from the media and the newspaper industry went through the paradigm shift with the, with the internet. You know, I mean, and the example I give to people is newspapers had a hundred year monopoly in most cities. A hundred year monopoly they had for a newspaper. And when the internet came, that most of them went bankrupt in ten years. And you know, so or they got bought out or sold or something like that. So, you know, when when I look at the paradigm shift that we went through in the media, how the internet changed us, I'm looking at like what your service is, your company is, because I just pulled, you know, you guys have been around since what, nineteen eighty? 1980, yeah. And you're a technology company, okay? You were, at least from the day one. And back in the 80s, I know it was punch cards and circular punch cards used for computers. I mean, to think that our banking system in the 1980s was held together by a bunch of circular punch cards is remarkable yeah. nowadays, to, to, to go back to that. So uh, anyway, the only reason I bring that up is that you guys have got a historical amounts of data when it comes to this magnetism side of the whole equation. Now, big data is basically just folding in everybody's data and computing out a whole new entree, a whole new dinner, a whole new product, whatever it might be. So I can see how you guys can really play into the future of oil and gas when it comes to a lot of uh, 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 what's the, taking the guesswork out and figuring out precision pricing and uh, really being, being a part of the bigger picture, if you will, being a part of the puzzle. I, I can really see that. So um, big data, have you guys looked at it? Are you aware of it? Just talk to me about how big data folds into how you guys are contributing to it or being a part of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're definitely aware of it. Um, and, and as far as interfacing with it or having something to do with it, I mean, may, maybe not in the, you know, in the sense that, the average person might think of with, uh, you know, big data platforms and, you know, aggregating and and collecting data and then kind of synthesizing all these data points to take action. I mean, that, that's what I think of typically when I think of big data, but I mean, I think, I think our contribution would be, you know, when, when you're taking these surveys, uh, these wellbore surveys, like you said, I mean, you're, you're getting a lot of information, uh, about about the well and about uh, its position, uh, you're getting you know in, the inclination data, the azimuth data. Uh, you know you're getting latitude data for where it is you know in the world. If it's really far north, for example, and uh, and and how does how do these kind of numbers affect the actual well itself? So that I think that's where I think that's where we are is. Uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff. I mean, you should see some of the some of the spreadsheets that I that I look at and stuff. It, it's it's funny because you know I'm I'm not really a technical guy, and uh, you know some of some of our some of our people will send me these spreadsheets, and you know it'll it'll just be thousands upon thousands of numbers of, of you know data points basically, and. I'm, I'm just like what am I uh, you know, what am I supposed to do with this but we we do we definitely take a lot of data I mean we, we have one kind of technology offering or a, you know a solution that will run a gyro survey and we'll take we'll take surveys at every foot uh, so you're getting all these data points every foot in the well and you know, traditionally you take a survey every stand which is you know roughly 92 and uh, so, think about that, right? 92 times more data in in this offering, and you know what we're doing is we're getting this very detailed, very precise uh, downhole data on the wellbore, on what it what it actually looks like, and then we're taking that, putting it all into a system, uh, you know, our own system that we made, it's patented, it, you know, it's a beautiful thing, and you get a 3D. Wellbore visualization afterwards. So a lot of companies are using that to see highly detailed view of what's going down under. You know what's going what's going on underground. uh, Why maybe they're having issues. uh, Thing things that you know what what we kind of talk about as wellbore tortuosity, which is when the well you know undulates and goes up and down and it's kind of kinky versus uh, you know a straight well, which is what you want. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll run these really, really, you know, tightly spaced, very small surveys and get all these data points and then say, look at so many feet. Yeah. There's no wonder you couldn't put a pump down there. The, the, well, there's a bend in the well, you know, there's a dog leg or, uh, there's no wonder you couldn't put it over there. The well, the well is turning in such a way that, uh, it's actually going to put, you know, un, too much pressure against the tubing. There's going to you know, what they call side force uh, or, or side loading force, and that could cause you know the the tubing to rupture, or the casing, or even you know equipment damage, things like that. So when you think of data and how much data you have to have to make that kind of analysis and then provide a recommendation, uh, it, it's a lot, right? So back to your initial question. I know I kind of went 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 into the weeds a little bit, but you know yeah, we're Maybe not your traditional big data. As far as we don't have, uh, you know, an industrial data platform or any kind of IoT uh, thing internally, uh, but we're certainly providing data to our customers uh, that, you know, that that are uh, that's allowing them to make better decisions. And, and what they do with that is kind of up to them, right? But ultimately, it should help everybody uh, drill better wells and, and better placed wells. So should should be a win win for everyone
1: yeah i i guess um you answered it yeah i mean there's there's so many different ways to go with big data and that's one of the problems because if you choose the wrong path you'll bankrupt yourself by by trying to tell everybody why your idea is so good and uh big data, you know i mean big data you can do that it can go a lot of different directions so yeah, it's always you have
0: to be uh, have to be careful nowadays because that's it's just like digitalization, right? I mean, it's it's one of these words that has become it's just become ubiquitous, and you know people are people are generally tossing these things around. It, it seems like willy nilly, right? It's like oh, oh we, our our new big data solution. Oh, we're our digitalization initiative, and,
1: uh, oh, and, and and a lot of
0: companies have it, and then some don't at all, and they're just they're just throwing buzzwords around. So it's it's a lot more <laughs> it's a lot more crowded and complicated than it might need to be. But everyone's trying to cash in on the hype you know?
1: In our industry, it's called podcasting. Everybody's doing a podcast now, and, and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I laugh because I'm like, I was I, when I spoke at uh, the API Dickinson deal last week, and I've said this for a while on the program, but um, the government, you know, when they basically put out the money over the last year, you, non nonprofits really didn't do anything. They, they they didn't they didn't do their event because of COVID, and they really didn't do any of their their nonprofit work because of COVID. And so a lot of people stayed at home. So pretty much every nonprofit started a podcast. So I could argue that, boy, the government just funded a bunch of competition with, for podcasting. And, <laughs> and so that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And one day I was talking to this uh, president, CEO guy who called me, who was kind of upset that his company did a podcast because they invested a lot of money and they were getting no return. And I was, I was explaining to him that podcasts are really difficult because it's a great idea and anybody can do it. Well, of course, you can You can under 200 bucks and you can go buy equipment and boom, you're done, okay? There's enough free services yep. out there to go from there. But it's, it's like a website. Okay, great. You can put a website out there. It's just like planting a tree. Okay, great. You can go plant a tree. You can do all that different stuff. But how's anybody going to find it? And how's anybody going to listen to it? I used to tell people all the time when it comes to a website – It's just like you having a tree in the forest. It doesn't work better if you have a map. And that was trying to get people to advertise their website. Well, they'll find it on the internet. Well, how is anybody going to find the website on the World Wide Web, man? That's, That's more difficult than driving around town trying to find something. And then trying to explain podcasting to people about how, first of all, Hardly anybody's going to listen to the interview about, you know, the $700,000 generator that 20 people can buy in the country because it's a wet gas solution. Okay. So good, good luck on that, buddy, but you go ahead and invest all that money into whatever. And so I, I wouldn't, I stepped out of my deck and I started counting the podcasts that I knew in my neighborhood of the homes that I could see. And just as I just turned in my backyard, not even my front yard in my backyard, I counted six. Six yep. podcasts. And then I said, Well, and then we gotta compete with Ron Burgundy. And Ron Burgundy's not even a real person and I'd rather listen to him <laughs> than me. <Yeah. laughs> so No, you're you're
0: absolutely I mean, it's uh you know, I, I was on LinkedIn the other day and a guy uh he was he was compiling a list of all the energy related podcasts and admittedly it did include some you know renewables focused ones too, but when I left off and I put someone on there that I was aware of, or you know, I knew, I knew the folks, and, uh, heck we'll, we'll have to make sure that, uh, that, that the grid life's on there too. But, uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he, he finished it, updated it. And they said, Oh, uh, good news, everybody. We're up to 149 podcasts. I
1: saw and, 177 and, the other day when I saw it.
0: Okay. So it's, yeah, it's, it's continuing to grow and it's just, it's unbelievable, and like you said, I mean, anybody can do this. You can, go, you can go buy a mic, go buy some equipment, get your program set up, and and uh, start you know start doing it and watch the magic yeah. happen. But
1: I went through it during the, the blog during the blog revolution too, because I'm I'm actually a writer by trade. I'm a journalist yep. writer by trade. Okay, it just I happen to do radio shows on the side and everything along those lines, and I just kind of figured out that if well if I'm going to write for a newspaper and a magazine, I might as well hit record on the interview. And then I can just podcast the interview. Cause it'll, you know, you got to interview them for the story anyways. Right. Because yep. there, there are two types of, uh, there's two types of reporters. Now there's the, uh, email reporter. That's the one who just, they do all their reporting over email. And those are the worst reporters there are. And then there's yep. the actual people who actually do old school reporting, which is you actually talk to the person who's the source, not. The not not the assistant or the marketing department or anything like that. No, it's the actual <laughs> person who's you know horse's mouth, if you will.
0: Yeah, imagine that, right?
1: <laughs> well, and there's there's a big difference. In fact, um, I the reason that I stayed on with a lot of newspapers, radio stations, and magazines was because I was the only one doing that. Because yeah. even their own employees were just doing the e- you know, doing the email reporting, which is it's too polished. It's it's manufactured and it comes across fake. And when you come across fake, at first it works, but then after a while it goes away. It's that old saying, short-term gain equals long-term pain. And so many yeah. people have been dangling for the fr- you know easy fruit, this and that. All right, I got to get off my soapbox here because we got in the problems <laughs> of the media and it's been a real problem for a while because they've, you know, I mean, the media hasn't figured out that they need to reinvent themselves. They keep trying to make everybody go to their old ways, and it ain't going that way, you know. So, um, no, it's not. hey, you're preaching.
0: To, I mean, I'm a writer too, so you're preaching to the
1: choir. Oh, I, good. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, and I, you know, listen, I get it. You know, deadlines and time crunches and this and that. But where we've gotten, my neighbor, one of my neighbors, he's a, a head of a, a one of the political parties in the state. You know. So he's in the news all the time, right? And our dogs are buddies and everything like that. So we, him and I chat a lot because our dogs like to wrestle and play together. And I'm in the media, so he, he asks me a lot of media questions. And he got kind of dinged in an article. Well, they, they, they gave him an hour. Some reporter sent him a, a, a question Pretty important question, too. It had to do with uh, the election stuff, you know, when people were getting sued and, you know, Russia was taking over the election because of China's demand. Whatever. I don't know. Just whatever the nonsense was going on and all this stuff. Um, to me, it's all noise because it comes in so many different directions. I didn't mean to offend anybody if who's really into it and thinks it's serious. But he, he had an hour to respond. And he was taking a nap. And I mean, it was like four in the afternoon, right? Three in the afternoon. And they gave him an hour because his deadline was like five o'clock. And then they put it on the news because five o'clock is the new norm for a lot of media companies, because that's when people get off work. So it's nine o'clock, 12 o'clock and five o'clock are the new deadlines now. And if my source doesn't get to me, well, I need media Mad Libs filled in and I just go with it. So they just say, you know, he wasn't available. Well that kind of makes it be negative then. Most people think he's ducking or hiding, especially if it's somewhat of confrontational stories and et cetera. So I don't know. That I, I'm sorry about that, but I, I just wanted to put that in there because that is a problem with today's journalism is is it's it's actually who can yell fire the loudest in the theater when before they used to say don't ever yell fire in a theater.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's all sensationalism. It's sensationalism. I mean, just like... You know, I I hate to support the kind of uh, you know popular media is is uh, you know morally bankrupt and, and all that message, but on the flip side, I mean, you do hear all the same. It's all the same stuff. Uh, there, you know, even whether you're you know up in North Dakota or I'm down in Houston. I mean, uh, my my news channels. If I flip from one to the other, it's I'm bombarded with the same the same things, same types of stories, and most of it is. You know that that uh that whole uh, that whole sensationalist thing that we we have to put up. I mean, uh, you know, new COVID death statistics, or uh, you know, so and so got shot, or here's a cop. You know, here's a police chase over here. It's all it's uh, almost all very negative, and it's it, it becomes challenging to even kind of tune into that regularly because you know you want to you want to be happy, right? <laughs> you want to you want to uh, I want good news. Uh, I, I already deal with enough in my day, my daily life that I don't want to. I don't want to be done with that and then turn on the TV and then get slammed with an hour of additional, uh, you know, sensationalist headlines and news and whatnot. So no, I'm. I get it. Trust me.
1: Yeah, and you know, yellow journalism isn't new. I mean, you know, the days of Benjamin Franklin, Poor Richard's Almanac. You know, he had an editorial section, which he was one of the authors of under a pen name, and. You know, that was a little bit more innocent, but it was there. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit more, you got, you know, William Hearst, who was really well known for his yellow journalism, using his entire empire to build his his uh, timber farms and whatever relationship he had with DuPont and Dow and et cetera. And then, you know, even g- going to today, what do you got, five major news sources, you know, in America? And it's just so funny how they all report on the same five stories. I mean there's a big planet and you got these big major news organizations and they all seem to report on the same stuff and so that's interesting when the competition doesn't seem to really think there's any other news stories out in the world so it's it's it, there's been an evolution and there's been quite a I don't know it's it's there but whatever it's just an, like like we talked about before we jumped on the air you know sometimes just because, you know, the, the telephone has changed to a handheld computer, it's still there. It's just in a different presentation is all. So um, yeah. let's get back to your thing real quick before we, you know, r- really lose all of our listeners here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay, GyroData. No, I'm sorry. That's not the right word. Is he? Is it? No, it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's gyrodata, the name of the company, gyrodata. too.
0: Hey, I'm not, you know, data data I'm, I'm good with anything as long as we're not saying euro data we're good
1: well where I'm confused is is that it's both the name of the company and the terminology right so this is this must be something you guys invented like Lexus where it's just a new word that you guys came up with
0: well I mean you know as far as I mean as far as yeah gyro data the company name I mean that's that's our thing right but, you know yeah but gyros uh what we did in uh, some of the you know kind of I hate to use you know buzzwords after after just criticizing this a few minutes ago, but you know I mean th- like some of our stuff was basically what you'd say is a step change or uh, kind of a you know a revolution in, in how the industry has approached uh, well bore surveying. I mean you know you have went from uh, you know I know we, we talked about this the other day, but you know you've went from uh, dropping a a bottle filled with acid you know into into a hole in the ground. And then you then you let it sit where the well where the well turns. You you put you drop it down, let it sit there, and then you pull it back up uh, you know, ten minutes later, and wherever the acid etched a little line on the glass bottle because it's you know it's burnt into it, you would say, Oh, okay, well that's our inclination of the well and that's how you would know how many degrees it was, you know, it was going in one or, one direction or the other. Uh so to think that we've gone from that and you know, the 1920s, 1930s to, uh, you know, to, to fully electronic, you know, tiny little, I mean, some of these things, I mean, they're like the size of a, of a penny. I mean, these are very small instruments and, you know, a gyro assembly or, or the actual piece of equipment that's going in a bottom hole assembly. I mean, that's larger, right. But because it's got to have all the, the housing and the different components, the electronics board and all that, but the gyro itself, is, is very small. These sensors are very small and just incredible. Some of the, you know, advancements that have, that have come, uh, really since jar data has been around and, you know, jar well drilling, uh, was, was, you know, really jar data's thing. And some of the early systems that, you know, started being able to survey at different inclinations without having, uh, you know, errors in the data and whatnot. I mean, you know, starting off with 40 degrees and then 70 and then 90, and then now just, Whatever you want, right? We have we have the thing, and there there is no inclination limitation. Um, so well, yeah, it, it
1: almost seems like you guys created the industry, is what I'm getting at. Because when I was trying to do some research on this, it just reminded me of Xerox and you know Kleenex, where it, you 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 kind of create the industry to where the name of the company is what it's called. You know, I mean, for a long yeah. time, Xerox, that was it, man. It was, it was, that's what people call the copy machine. And yeah. so, when, you know, like I said, I was doing the research for gyro data, data, whatever, and everybody in, or every site was you guys and, and, and Wikipedia yeah, about you. So it just seems, I'm sure you got, who is your customer, by the way? I mean at the end uh, of the day who who is it i mean is is it just the operator is it people in the midstream upstream trout stream salmon stream who who do you got yeah, yeah. well I
0: mean you know our our customer base is varied i mean so so yeah definitely operating companies will uh you know will come directly to us and if they have you know any of the kind of any of the concerns or challenges we were talking about you know they, they would come directly and say hey look you know we want to run a we want to run an X, Y, Z system in in this and that well. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll send a guy out and, and, uh, you know, send the system wherever it needs to go and uh, set it up and run it and, you know, go on our way after they do the surveys, uh, or, or we'll do it remotely and nowadays a lot with the, you know, the travel restrictions and all that stuff. So remote, remote ops has kind of become a huge thing for us, but, uh, but yeah, so operators or, uh, you know, other, other service companies, uh, you know, or other kind of providers in of space where, uh, you know, they, they might want to use our system or sensors or whatever. They might want to incorporate that into their own DHA and say, uh, you know, yeah, we, we need, we need your GWD system in there because we don't have it. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a whole other kind of piece of the puzzle as well as, uh, you know, third-party service companies coming over and, and wanting to run this kind of technology. And, uh, they, they might not, they might have some kind of surveying offering. I mean, you know, Halliburton has Sperry and slimmerjay has a MEMS gyro. And so there, there is stuff out there, but, uh, you know, ours is, ours is, and this is, this will you know, maybe come across a little stilted cause it's me with gyro data, but I mean, ours really is kind of ahead of the pack. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's a very small market. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, I mean, there's, really off the top of my head i mean there's about four companies including us that are really doing this and specializing in this and uh you know our our big thing was something we've kind of been talking about is how do you you know positioning for this new normal and kind of pivoting into what is the oil field going to look like you know in a few years and when when kind of commodity prices if they ever settle and i mean heck it was 40 a couple months ago and now it's you know it's approaching 70 and so this thing is it, it's crazy as usual but you know do we is there any way that we can kind of intelligently shift a little bit from just being a service provider and actually having to you know send people to well sites and have equipment set up and equipment distribution and have offices in different countries and you know the logistics all that or can we be a technology provider to where you know what we're what we're offering is not just service, which of course we'll still have because that's a you know kind of bread and butter offering, but can we also sell the technology itself, the sensors, right? And that's where those service companies come in is you know a lot of times they're running this stuff already and they're not talking about it uh, but we're generating you know revenue based on them running our technology and you know I don't you, you might have seen it floating about somewhere in the past, but our big thing last year was, uh, was, you know, Halliburton actually, uh, publicly announced that they were going to incorporate, uh, our solid state sensors, which are, you know, the, the newest and latest and greatest and, uh, you know, sensor technology. They're actually putting that into their own piece of equipment, uh, and, and commercializing it under their own name. So it's pretty cool because, you know, that way, the the big service company they have a tool it's called Gyrostar so they have a tool uh, it's got our sensors in it so we still get representation we still get visibility in the marketplace we still generate revenue uh, but you know they're going to run their own tool as part of their own operations so we we are not you know a service provider in that sense anymore we're a technology provider so
1: kind of dumbing so, it down is it more more you license in it to them and then with some service.
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's really just you know, hey, here, you know, here, here's the sensor technology. Yeah, uh, you're going to build the equipment yourself, and you're going to take the sensors and plop them in yeah. there, and do what you need to do, and then it's a lot uh, with, you know, you is, is you can it, go run
1: it, right? It's a Similar model uh, what uh, Microsoft did with IBM, and it's a great, great model. It's win win. Um, yeah, it's you know, pretty,
0: it's pretty cool. And so the hope is, well, you know, you know will
1: others follow suit, right? Well, it is, you know, in fact, in my industry, the media, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the WWE professional wrestling, uh-huh. but they, they have a network that is one of the top networks and they, you know, they've, they're very savvy when it comes to social media and the internet, because a lot of their fans are. And so they, they were, and if, you, if anybody wants to go Google, they can go Google WWE Network. I guarantee you it's one of the top five. And, um, and it was number two and one for a while. It was them and Netflix that were going back and forth as far as number one uh, streaming network. They actually uh, are getting out of it and are going exclusively to Peacock. Because when I think about it, you know, Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon are longtime friends. And Dick Ebersol, he wants to get this. I'm sure NBC, you know, Peacock, they want to get this thing going. And so, you're going to bring over all these these uh, pro wrestling people paying ten bucks a month. Now they're going to, I mean, for ten bucks a month now to pay to Peacock, you get all the WrestleManias and all the content you want. Plus you get The Office. Plus you get Parks and Rec. And that way WWE doesn't have to take that risk on for the next. I think it's a five year deal. But at the end of five years. WWE walks away with all their content and Peacock walks away with as many of those subscribers as they keep. So it's a win-win for all. And maybe they resign. Maybe WWE's like, we don't want to be in the network business. We'll leave that to Peacock. So it, I looked at that as, as such a, a great way to look at the marketplace right now where sometimes you might have to, you know, lick your chops a little bit if you've invested some some resource dollars into something. But look at the bigger picture because right now we're going through strength in numbers, and boy, you can't get a bigger strength than Halliburton. Holy smokes, that's pretty good, man.
0: Yeah, and that—that's great for you know. It's great for us because I mean, you know, we're we're a small company. I mean, this is
1: you're not you small. Know, what are you talking this, about
0: this is this is a, this is 600 people, right? And in, in the world, so it's it's a it's a small enterprise and small global know, company. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, and, and you know, offices dotted all over the place, but you've got Halliburton and you know, especially with, uh, you know, in the Eastern hemisphere and the Middle East and where a lot of the, you know, NOCs and, and, you know, local companies, they have that, they have those local content requirements where you have to have built something in country and you have to employ in country people. And, you know, it's like the Saudi, the, IK, the, uh, IKTVA thing, the iktva with all the 30 year plan to employ more, uh, you know, more Saudi nationals and, you know, more, more young talent and things like that. And, you know, does it make sense for GyroData to have an office in all these countries, in these different regions where uh, we're required to build and you know produce things there? Uh, you know, what's what's the logistical cost of that? Is it worth it? You know, on a, on a PL and standpoint, and or like with Halliburton, Halliburton has an office, has offices everywhere. They have the logistics, they have the distribution, they have the networks. And they have the capital to support that, and so, hey, you know, we have the best sensors in the business. You have a huge network and all the you know all the contacts, the 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 offices, the regional support. Take our stuff, put it in your system, uh, and 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 fly free, little bird, right? I mean, just go do your thing, and they and they can. uh, Sperry is a legendary name in in the you know the surveying and the drilling world. I mean, Sperry's son was you know, Elmer Sperry was the guy that pretty much invented the gyroscope, the modern gyroscope, right? So, I mean, uh, this, this is a company with a huge, huge amount of, uh, market equity and and brand equity and yeah, they can just, they can just take it all the way home. And that was really cool about them was they, they were willing to kind of publicly say that, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's companies all over from, you know, mom and pop shop to, to the big boys that they might run some type of, you know, some some piece of technology we have a sensor or whatever they might use it, but they don't talk about it. They just do their thing, and so yeah, we you know we make we make revenue off of it, but it's not it's not of any value to building the brand, right? But Halliburton was like, hey, we've got a new technology offering. It's called Gyrostar. It's powered by Gyrodata's solid-state sensor technology, and that's like on the marketing flyers, it's on the collateral, it's on the website, it's everywhere. They actually publicly put that out there. So that was that's good for everybody because then they can benefit from the strength of our, you know, of our brand and that, in that admittedly limited market, but they can benefit from our brand. And then we certainly benefit from the additional exposure and uh, markets that they have access to that we might have more limited, you know, participation. In.
1: Looking at the clock here, anything that we missed, anything we want to reiterate, anything that, you know, um, you know, fun, kind of final thoughts here, kind of as we wind down. know. Um, um, did, did you want to, I know uh, we
0: talked, uh, I know we talked the other day a little bit about, I don't know if maybe at the end here, we, if we wanted to bring it home with, you know, we've talked so, so much about kind of, you know, what we do and gyros and all this technology and stuff, but you know, for your average, uh, for your average person and your, your, your normal listener, uh, it, which would have been me less than two years ago when I'd never heard of a gyro and oil and gas in my life. Uh, but you know that these gyros are in a lot of stuff, uh, in, in your day-to-day life and, uh, you know, really to bring it home for people. I mean, whether it's, yeah, you're, if you've got a, if you've got a, you know, a cell phone in your hand, if you've got a smartphone in your hand, uh, there's, there's a gyro in there, right? There's gyros in your laptops and your, your computers. Uh, there's probably one still in your car. Uh, so these, uh, you know just to bring it back up to reality a little bit uh you know this is it, it's cool stuff but it's also very much present around us uh and you know even even uh and even beyond you know where we are now with gyros like on the international space station keeping this thing you know perfectly where it needs to be um you know and and in uh in in rockets and missiles and things like that to where you know, you can take like an intercontinental ballistic missile and shoot it halfway across the planet, hit a target. That's because the thing has a gyro and it's got a military grade gyro. Uh, and that, that's, that's uh, kind of the technology that, you know, we're putting into our systems as well. Not, not military grade, but the same principle, right? So it's pretty cool because you can then you can form that connection between, uh, you know, the, the real world around you. And these applications for oil and gas that, you know, and and the other stuff we do with mining, civil engineering, and whatnot. But you know, you form that connection uh, to kind of bring it home and say, yeah, this is, this is how we're getting. This is helping us get uh, energy, right? This is helping us get hydrocarbons out of the ground that's powering our our lives, and uh, you know, in the in the way that uh, you know, powering our world. So it's it's uh, it's a very, it's all very interconnected. I always like to kind of. You know, help help people get that right instead of these just really out there ideas with, you know, <laughs> you know drilling, drilling high, uh, high precision well bores and stuff. Yeah. You know, but no, it's in, it's in your car too. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's why you're getting where you need to go. So.
1: How can people get yeah. in touch with you and, uh, find you and get some business with you?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to, you know, find me and, and reach out or connect on there. Um, you know, you can visit our website Jardata.com. If you want to email me specifically, uh, my my email is just my name at gyrodata. you know, it's steven.forrester at Jardata.com. If you want to send me an email, uh, please please feel free and yeah, ha- happy to happy to engage with anybody. And if I can't help, I'll certainly direct you to the right spot.